4: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: The following podcast contains subject matter that may not be suitable for all listeners. Some of the people you're about to hear were recorded over a course of time in our investigation by a combination of phone calls and in-person interviews. So audio quality will vary.
5: I remember hearing the 911 call, and that's another thing. Like in Florida, these things come out almost as soon as they happen. In this case, the 911 call came out almost immediately.
1: I'm talking with Drew Petrimo, a former television reporter with WFTV in Orlando, and he remembers when the story first broke.
5: Pretty sure it came into our inbox at the news station, and yeah, everybody huddles around and listens to it, and. You know, he basically just admits that I shot my wife. She's dead on the floor. I believe he says five times in the call that he shot his wife, and obviously that strikes you because it's so blunt. It, the neighborhood that is, it's in is so exclusive. It kind of has all the trappings of a hot news story. We should be careful to cast aspersions on people that may or may not have gone through trauma, but it's hard to imagine how somebody that is experiencing that could behave that way. You're seeing something that seems so strange and you react to
6: it. I believe that they argued and he picked up a gun and he shot her.
7: Not a single person that knows my family thinks that he did this.
8: He was a very smart person but the other side was the nasty
9: side. This is not a murder. This is the opposite of a murder scene.
4: If this was some tragic accident, wouldn't he have tried to look for a pulse?
10: There is not physical evidence, and you have a trail of people who didn't do their goddamn job.
9: There's a verdict in the murder trial of Isleworth millionaire Bob Ward think this
1: was an accident or a murder. I, I really can't say.
11: From Discovery Plus, ID, and Joke Productions. This is Unraveled, Mystery at the Mansion. a nine part podcast that takes a deep dive into the story of a family torn apart. A trial turned into a media spectacle and investigates the mystery. What really happened to Diane Ward?
1: Just hours after Bob Ward reported that his wife of 26 years, Diane Ward, had been shot to death inside their Isleworth, Florida mansion, he became known as the millionaire murderer. Here's Drew again.
3: When you hear that there had been a murder in that neighborhood, you pay attention. It's a very protected, gated community with gigantic mansions um, and a lot of money. Isleworth is um, an amazingly extravagant and wealthy neighborhood where famous people really from all over the country um, live just to give you an idea the incident with tiger woods when there was this late night car crash that he ran into a um, fire hydrant well that crash happened in Iowa. the mansion where bob ward lived was previously home to arnold palmer the golfer and oral hershizer the baseball player
1: The day after Diane died, news helicopters hovered over the ward's property, looking for a bird's-eye view of the crime scene. And in real time, the world watched and wondered, how could something so horrific happen in what appeared to be paradise?
11: As Billy and I dug deeper into this case, we discovered that not all was as it seemed. During this podcast series, we will talk you through our investigation of the evidence presented the evidence excluded and the perceived motives or lack thereof.
1: We ask you to keep an open mind as we did. We'll talk to the prosecution and defense. We will investigate the forensics and try to make sense of the circumstantial pieces of this puzzle. But we will start at the beginning with the 911 call. Here's Ken Lewis, a former assistant state attorney and one of the prosecutors on when he first became aware of this case.
6: It was probably the day after. I don't believe that we were called out to the scene or anything along those lines. So
1: explain that process. You go, you meet with the detectives, and then how do you discern what you're going to do and how you're going to proceed?
6: Well, we, we go over the case, uh, basically with what they have, and we talk about what physical evidence there is. We go over uh, the audio and we make a determination basically, according to the evidence at that point, what we think happened, and then we'll look at doing some tests scientifically to either back up or refute what we think happened. So what, was,
1: what were you adding up then, and what did you think happened uh, that, made, that gave you the determination that you were gonna go ahead and press charges?
6: The most telling piece of evidence from the beginning and, and to this day will always be, of course, the 911 call uh, made by Mr. Ward himself. I just shot my wife, I just shot my wife, I just shot my wife. I think it was about five times total that he asserted that he had just shot his wife.
7: Yeah, what's the emergency?
6: I just shot my
12: wife. You just what? I just shot my wife. Where's your wife? She's right here on the floor. Please since, since somebody? lobby. I would have to drive. Okay, what's going on there? I just shot my wife.
7: You just shot your wife?
12: I shot my wife. Yes, please send somebody over.
11: Robin Wilkinson was the lead prosecutor on the case. She, too, sees the 911 call as a crucial piece of evidence.
4: When you look at all the evidence in this case, the first thing you look at, the very first thing we know is the 911 call. Bob says, I just shot my wife. I shot my wife five different times. He says this. That just boggled my mind. If this was some tragic accident, wouldn't he have tried to look for a pulse? Wouldn't he have tried to grab her? Wouldn't he try to do something? Bob has these little drops of blood on his shorts and on his shoes. There's nothing on him to show he's reacted anyway.
7: Well, hang up, please.
12: I'm sorry. Say so again.
4: did you purposely do this No.
7: or was it an accident it was an accident stay on the phone we
4: do not hang up up. means he sounded pretty matter of fact i just shot my wife this isn't he he didn't come across as oh my god there's been a terrible accident which none of those words ever came out he just kept saying i just shot my wife
11: Some of you may be thinking that this call sounds like an admission of guilt. Some of you might be thinking Bob just used the wrong choice of words in the middle of a traumatic event. And we will get to the defense's explanation of the 911 call in a moment. But it's important to understand how crucial this call was in law enforcement's determination that a murder had in fact been committed. Here's Ken Lewis again
6: my initial reaction based on the 911 call. There was nothing in the, in the entire uh, case packet that cast any doubt in my mind that this wasn't an accident, it wasn't a suicide.
13: Think of a scenario where a wife is going to either A, kill herself, or B, the gun accidentally goes off in the struggle over a firearm, and you are going to, immediately after the act happens, you are going to call 911 and say the most damning thing against you that you could possibly say that is totally inconsistent with what just happened. Now, what planet would that happen on? Maybe Mars or Venus. It wouldn't happen on planet Earth. And that's really what it came down to here. So it was the 911 call, first and foremost.
1: Did you really see that that was a, a confession or an admission of guilt?
6: Well, I was in just in uniquely and strictly homicide cases for an eight-year period. I probably did the intake or handled uh, somewhere around three to five hundred homicide cases in that eight-year period. Never once did anybody, particularly an educated individual, ever offer a version that made him more culpable than he actually was. So. You ask how, how common it would be for him to be in shock and then say the things in the manner that he said it. I had never seen anything like it. I had never heard anything like it. And I think the the mere suggestion of it defies common sense and logic and reality.
1: I did ask Ken, if Bob Ward was guilty of murdering Diane, why would he call 911 and say, I just shot my wife?
6: Well, I think what's going on over his mind is what are we gonna do here? Am I?" At my age, somebody's gonna remove the body and uh, hide the body and pretend I don't know where my wife is and report her missing or just business as usual. And I think under the circumstances, the time, the people that would have known she was there with him, what their regular routine was, the fact that he had, uh, that I believed he was under the influence of alcohol that he'd been drinking and there was wine. Uh, Not only were the wine stains there, but it was pretty clear from the 911 tape that he was slurring his words in the beginning of the tape. So I don't think he was in the condition to deal with it in any other manner and called 911 just to... Get her, get her out of there. I mean, I think uh, that's what what somebody would do under those circumstances.
7: You do have the gun secure, correct?
6: Yeah, it's next to that
12: in the um, in the nightstand. The gun is secured. Yes. It's another problem. the Officer would show up. I'll be sitting on the front steps.
7: How long ago did this happen, sir?
12: I'll be five minutes ago.
14: Hey, it's Janice from Warner Brothers Discovery. I'm very lucky to have a close relationship with my amazing mom, and I'm doubly lucky to be friends with some amazing moms. The thing is, this means that every year, right around this time, I get those panicked phone calls asking for Mother's Day gift recommendations from, obviously, their partners. So I was excited to learn about StoryWorth just in time for Mother's Day 2024. StoryWorth is an interactive way to preserve your loved one's stories for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question like, what do people get wrong about you? Or what's the most incredible trip you've ever been on? All your loved one needs to do is respond to that email with a story, long or short, it doesn't matter. StoryWorth will send you a copy of your loved one's response, and after a year, StoryWorth compiles the stories and some photographs into a beautiful hardcover book that will last for generations. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. The moms in my life are big-hearted, hilarious, and they're all super storytellers, so they're going to love StoryWorth. I just know it. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift you'll all cherish for years, StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to StoryWorth.com Unraveled. That's StoryWorth.com Unraveled to save $10 on your first purchase. Hey, it's Janice from Warner Brothers Discovery. Spring is officially in bloom here in the Northern Hemisphere, and with a fresh season underway, you might be seeking your own transformation. For some, that means a new approach to weight loss or nutrition. Noom has a unique approach. Noom is tailored to each person's psychology and biology. It's built to meet you where you are because Noom understands that no two people are the same. Noom stands out to me because it offers a holistic approach to well-being. From coaching to recipes, Noom's app provides personalized information to help you on your journey. I also think it's great that Noom doesn't restrict what you can eat and it doesn't shame you for treating yourself and treat yourself you should. What's more, Noom believes in nourishing rather than restricting. Noom can help you lose weight while still enjoying your favorite foods because this approach is about eating well and treating your body right. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your free trial today at Noom.com. That's n-o-o-m.com, And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.
11: Whatever happened in that room, do you think shock could have played a part in what he said in the 911 call?
4: I never really saw it as shock because there were so many other things in there. When did this happen? Five minutes ago. That seemed like an awfully long time. He says phrases like, she's gone, I'm sorry. When he's asked if she's dead, he first says, I think so which kind of corroborated the whole, there was no physical evidence of a husband being distraught and, like, grabbing his wife who's down on the ground and transferring blood to the front of his shirt. There's none of that.
7: Where, where, is she breathing?
12: No, she's dead.
7: You know that for sure?
12: I think so, yes.
7: Okay, sir, where, where is the weapon?
12: It's in the... Nice stand next to the bed in the master bedroom, and I'll be glad to meet the officer at the front
4: Where is your wife, sir?
12: She's in the floor in the master bedroom.
4: How old is she? She is
12: 1954. What is, whatever that is. Born in 1954.
7: Okay, you're sure there's, He's
11: not breathing or?
12: He's dead. He's done. I'm sorry.
11: The Orange County Sheriff's Department, who investigated the scene on the night of Diane Ward's death, declined to participate in our podcast. But both Robin and Ken, who would prosecute the case, were brought on the next day to oversee the investigation.
4: It was going to be basically a domestic murder. We were looking at what evidence we had and what evidence we needed to discover or look further into
8: to see exactly what we had.
6: It was clear that um, we believe that there was an argument that had taken place based on the fact that there was a a scene very consistent out on the patio with an argument that that definitely took place. So uh, then you had what looked like a a spillover into the bedroom.
13: The scenario was this.
6: They're drinking. They have
13: an argument. She throws a glass of wine at him. The wine glass breaks. He goes upstairs, the the argument continues, and at that point, uh, you know, he was probably on the bed at some point because there was a transfer stain of wine on on the sheets a little bit. They're arguing, and at some point he pulls the gun out and stands up and shoots her, I mean...
11: The 911 call was the catalyst for law enforcement's determinations. And with the discovery of the physical evidence at the scene, Bob Ward was charged soon after his arrest with second-degree murder.
1: And what were the determining factors for you to pursue charges of second-degree murder?
11: This appeared to be something
13: that happened very quickly. There was no other evidence that that this was thought out well in advance that would lead to someone, somebody festering some type of anger or resentment, leading to premeditation. So we ruled that out.
6: Second-degree murder is, is a shooting or, or without the intent on causing death. It's, it's something, some act that can cause great bodily harm or death. And the key element that you're looking at is with hatred, ill will, or spite, uh, malice aforethought. And the ill will doesn't have to be established like they have a vendetta against them, you can love somebody one minute and then have ill will against them the next. Uh, the distinction between a manslaughter charge manslaughter. You just there's a random act that causes death. So let's say it's it's uh, January first, midnight thirty uh, first, and I want to fire a gun when the new year to ring in the new year, and I fire a shot up in the air. Well, obviously, if that shot comes down and hits somebody 100 yards away in the exact same right spot, you know, and hits him in the temple, knocks him out, kills him, I didn't know that person. Obviously, I had no malice, ill will, hatred, or spite towards that person, but my act caused their death. So we easily had a manslaughter. His act caused the death. But we also had a strong evidence here that an argument had taken place because you don't Uh, a wife of X amount of years point a gun 18 inches in their face and pull the trigger without some type of malice, without some type of ill will or hatred.
1: It's clear that the 911 call had a huge impact on the state. The question is, if Bob's seemingly uncaring demeanor on that call had been different, would they have filed murder charges so quickly or at all? With that call going public, it would be hard for a DA not to pursue charges after everyone watching the news just heard Bob say, I shot my wife. Florida has a thing called the Sunshine Law, which means things that in other states wouldn't become public, become public right away. Things like 911 calls.
11: So let's face it, the DA's office heard that 911 call and knew that it would go a long way with a jury. How could it not?
1: While Bob said, I shot my wife on the 911 call, Prosecutors saw that his story started changing right after Bob retained a defense attorney.
13: He tried to classify the shooting a couple of times in different ways, every one inconsistent with the one
9: before it.
4: The 911 call started with, I just shot my wife. The next version was the accident, which was prompted by the 911 operator asking, was this an accident or on purpose?
6: Then I think via email is when he first brings up uh, suicide. So, You basically had every conceivable way that she could have died in a spectrum of his versions.
11: Here's how Drew remembered it playing out in the media.
3: So the initial story was that there, that uh, Diane was attempting to commit suicide and that he came in and interrupted that and there was a struggle and the gun went off. The story changes and is that Diane was pointing the gun at him. He went to take the gun away. There was a struggle and she was shot.
1: Bob Ward's defense team told the media that the 911 call proved nothing.
11: For his defense, Bob Ward chose one of the Orlando's most highly regarded trial attorneys, Kirk Kirkconnell.
1: Kirkconnell passed away in 2012, so we're unfortunately unable to have him share, in his own words, how he approached Bob's defense.
11: But court documents reveal that he based his argument on the belief that Diane Ward had been accidentally shot during a struggle, a struggle in which Diane was holding the gun and Bob was trying to get it out of her hands.
6: The evidence is gonna show that Diane and Bob Ward have been married for 26 years, that they had a good marriage, and in addition to being husband and wife and parents of the two girls, they were best friends.
1: Kirkconnell rejected the prosecutor's charge that the incident included malice, hatred, or ill will. The evidence, he felt, would prove that Bob and Diane loved
11: each other. Here's Diane's younger sister, Paula Serri. They had a great marriage. Bob adored my sister.
8: I mean, they really, really did. I'm telling you, in
10: 20 years, I never saw them fight. They never fought. They were amazing together. They loved each other, and they
1: adored their kids. We also talked to some of Diane's friends, like Christina Steinhaus. She and her husband at the time were among the ward's closest friends.
2: Bob and Diane had a great marriage. I envied their marriage. I really did. They, um, they did things together a lot. When you see somebody who's extremely warm, you feel that from them. I felt that from both of them towards each other. They were never left out of each other's conversation.
11: To the family and those closest to Bob and Diane Ward, it never made any sense that Bob would kill his wife. Here is Diane's sister, Paula, again.
10: There is no way, no way Bob would have ever done this. First of all, he loved his family. He loved my sister more than anything, and they were a great couple together, but What was the motive? I mean, usually if there's a crime, there's a motive. And it's like, he had no reason to do this. Not only would he never enter his mind, there was no reason.
1: The 911 call was not the only evidence in this case. It had been released to the media and they played it everywhere. Here's Drew again, the local reporter who covered the case. And he's gonna explain a little bit more about the Sunshine Law.
5: There's a law in Florida called the Sunshine Law, and that basically means that they err on the side of releasing information. And whereas in other states that I've actually worked, discovery evidence isn't released to the media until after the trial, in Florida, discovery evidence is released to the media at the same time it's released to the defense. So not only do you get all these jailhouse interviews and 911 calls are immediately released, but you also get the investigative files before the trial starts too, which only leads to um, you know kind of more digging and more reporting on these cases before they head to trial. I mean, it was national news. Not only it was not only news here in Florida, it was on you know the networks were playing it on the morning shows and it was everywhere. There you know, was this public perception that started to grow that. He was just such a rich guy that had killed his wife and didn't care about it.
11: The family couldn't escape the 911 call either.
7: I heard the 911 call and, yeah, I didn't love it because they had clipped it. But I was fortunate enough, the attorneys had the entire phone call and I heard it and heard everything that they clipped out. The world heard on the 911 phone call, my dad say, I just shot my wife. What the media didn't play was... Him saying there's been an accident. What the but gun again, just went I'm off, gonna... or what happened? What exactly happened?
12: The gun just went off.
7: Where was she um, shot at? Where's, where's the wound?
12: I don't know where it is. But I don't know. Okay. This is awful. She is on the floor, and I don't know how happened.
1: Sarah also learned a key fact that she thought would give more clarity to Bob's demeanor on that call.
7: I found out that my dad had been so stressed and upset and scared and heartbroken, he accidentally dialed 411. And so they waited five minutes to transfer him to the police. And that was why he finally said, I just shot my wife to get someone over there because he'd been on the phone for 10 minutes by the time anyone took him seriously while he's sitting there with his dead wife. They kept him on the phone for forever without helping him.
1: Phone records later revealed that Bob did, in fact, first dial 411, but this fact was not reported on. Here's Bob's oldest daughter, Mallory.
8: We had an attorney at the time who had said, if you are riding a bicycle and someone runs out in front of your bike and you hit them, if you were to call the police, what do you say? You say, I just hit someone with my bicycle. Like, I just, I just hit someone on my bike. Not like, something like that's what you would say. Frustrating how you know words, I think, and intent can
10: get twisted with how you choose to perceive them. I feel like my dad got thrown so many bombs at him for the way that he reacted or the way that he called the police and not acting the way that people thought that he should act. And I want to say, how dare you tell somebody how they should act when something mind-blowingly life-changing has happened to them. Because you can't, you cannot tell somebody, you cannot decide how somebody should act when they have just experienced shock. Because unless you have felt that shock where you're suddenly like, holy shit, my life has just completely been altered. You're not screaming, you're not hitting anything, you're not doing that.
11: I asked Christina, Diane's friend, how she remembers it.
2: I can't imagine what he went through in that house, alone by himself, with Diane dead on the floor, I cannot imagine. I know his first concern was that he didn't want the children to think that anything bad about their mom. He would rather have taken it on his shoulders and taken the blame than say, you know, your mother, your mother had a meltdown, <laughs> grabbed the gun. You know, he, he wanted he wanted them to think well of her and. And he was in shock, I'm sure. The 911 call, what did you think when you heard it? Honestly, I said, oh my God, you're certainly not helping yourself. I mean, that sounds terrible in hindsight. Do you think he was also in shock and just not thinking clearly? Oh, you have to be. Can you imagine? No. Losing the person you love and changing your whole life like that. Is there a bottom? I don't think so.
9: And My experience as a criminal defense lawyer has unfortunately brought me into contact with people who have been exposed to trauma.
1: James Fellman is an attorney who served on Bob
9: Ward's defense team. If you've experienced trauma or known a lot of people who have, you understand greater that people do not think clearly, that the brain reacts in funny ways and in different ways, and different people are different in the way that they process trauma if you posit that it was her trying to kill herself and him unsuccessfully trying to stop her from doing that, one could imagine that he might feel some degree of guilt. Like, damn, you know, I, I wish I'd have been able to get that gun away from her. I I I'm partly responsible. Or you could imagine also, you know, in the midst of trauma, if you're If your hand's on the gun and you're trying to get it away from her and it goes off by accident, but it hits her, well, you just, you know, you just shot your wife in a certain sense. But it was an accident. I cannot imagine what would have been going on in Mr. Ward's head here under any scenario. Whether he was guilty or not, he was standing next to his wife of decades when a bullet went in her head and killed her and he's got two daughters that somehow he has to deal with and try to explain how their mother's dead and he may be charged with her death. What's normal? Who acts normally under those circumstances and what does normal really look like? So I felt like his 911 call was clearly the product of extreme trauma.
1: And there's another question we must ask about the 911 call. And that is whether or not Bob was inebriated.
9: Mr. Ward calls 911 and, you know, he's obviously intoxicated.
7: Hello, what's the emergency?
9: I just saw my wife.
7: You just what?
12: I just saw my wife. Where's your wife? She's right here on the floor.
9: They did attempt to paint this picture of Bob as lacking in remorse, as sort of a cold-blooded killer, and that he'd killed his wife and didn't care.
11: He seems to be asserting that Bob wasn't aware of what he was saying, and that's because of the alcohol. He may have been out of it, partially explaining the detached demeanor and maybe why he dialed 411 first.
1: The prosecution, on the other hand, claims that it was because of the alcohol and his inebriation that he couldn't have made anything up. Here's Robin and Ken again.
4: When you hear the tape itself, he's clearly been under the, he was under the influence of alcohol at the time. The concept of it being an accident was actually brought up by the 911 operator, not Bob. In fact, he actually waits. So did you purposely do this or was it an accident?
7: It was an on the phone.
6: We did not hang up. I don't think he had a game plan. I don't think he meant to get himself in this predicament. I think he snapped, and he didn't know how to deal with it after, and he was under the effects of alcohol. So if he had time to contemplate, not under the stress of the circumstances, I think things would have played out much differently.
11: Law enforcement never tested Bob's alcohol level that night. Bob admits to drinking that night but was it enough to cloud his action, or lack thereof, to such a degree? The point is, we don't know how drunk Bob was that night, and we never will.
1: Beyond the puzzling optics of Bob's 911 call, by digging deeper into the case, we discovered that there were other consequences to the family, consequences that were virtually unknown to the public.
11: And these are the consequences that the shocking 911 call had on the lives of the ward's daughters. That call not only changed how they saw their mom and dad, but would soon also start changing how the entire world saw them.
1: Within hours of the media broadcasting Bob Ward's 911 call, the lives of his two daughters, Mallory and Sarah, were never the same.
11: Suddenly out of the blue, through no fault of their own, they're known as the kids of that millionaire who said he shot his wife. Both were in college and both had zero preparation for how to handle everything being thrown at them.
1: Sarah Ward, the Ward's youngest daughter, recalls what it was like for her and Mallory in those first few days.
7: On top of dealing with these massive changes in our life, we also had to contend with the fact that the media was stalking us. We had to get bodyguards and we had to get our own attorney just to protect us because we couldn't use my dad's attorney because it's conflict of interest. And I'm just a kid and I had a test the next day. I had school. I didn't know what I was supposed to do.
11: At age 21, Mallory found support from her college friends and coaches.
8: I'm still just like walking through a haze. And one of like the athletic directors involved and they like, you know, took me to have a meetup up. <laughs> at the University Health Center to start talking to a, a therapist. So I saw for the rest of my senior year, twice a week, actually.
7: My sister didn't drop out of school. because She was a senior in her last year. And I couldn't stay still. Like, I, my mind was racing. I was so uncomfortable. Being at home was too hard. Being at school was too hard. I couldn't do anything.
1: Mallory came back to Orlando to testify at her father's bond hearing. And she could see that her sister was struggling to cope.
8: Sarah had gotten two tattoos in the ten days since I'd seen her <laughs> and one was my mom's initials and then the other said like never give up written like on the inside of her wrist of her left arm. And I like grab her wrist because so I can see these scratches almost on her wrist and I was like, What the hell is this? Sarah was like Mom knew that I did it, but at this point now I'm like, what the fuck, my sister's been cutting herself and I had no idea.
11: Sarah and Mallory were stumbling their way through this new reality. They were also very much in the spotlight. Diane's best friend Christina remembers one particular story.
2: We had gone on to the horse shows and Sarah had come and, um, A lot of people made assumptions about Sarah as a result of her coming to the horse shows after her mom died, but I understood. I had a long talk with her at the horse show on a bale of hay in a stall, and she's like, this is where my mom would be, and this is where I'm happy, this is where I'm safe. I'm safe here in this world, and um, I could not condemn that.
1: Bob was released on a $100,000 bond. A few weeks after the incident, Sarah and Mallory finally got some time alone with Dad.
7: My dad was infatuated with my mother. He would never hurt her. He lived for that woman. He would do anything for that woman. To the point where he didn't want to tell everyone all of her problems, how, how much she was drinking. He didn't want her to be remembered that way.
8: I know that so much of what he did that night and at the time was to protect me and Sarah.
1: This was the sisters' first experience with a criminal case. And they assumed the justice system would make everything right. So while Bob was out on bail preparing for trial, the family circled the wagons.
10: I stayed with my dad for several weeks. Sarah was with my dad for a while. We tried not to leave him alone. He moved into a smaller home, like just up the street in the same neighborhood and we tried to be down there a lot with him. It was always, when this is over, because there was no way he was gonna be convicted. You always say that, when this is over, when this is over, when this is over, when he's found not guilty, because you, had, you, you knew, you knew he was gonna be found not guilty because he didn't do anything wrong. That's what you tell yourself.
7: You never think that they're gonna convict an innocent man, especially when there's no physical evidence. But I started to see how things were being manipulated, and even then, I was only 19, I was like, I'm scared this isn't going to be easy. It's going to be uphill the entire time. It's no longer innocent until proven guilty. You're guilty the entire time.
11: The Ward sisters were about to discover it wasn't only their father that was being made out to look like the bad guy. Everyone in their family, including them, were under attack.
10: You have this almost childlike, ignorant belief in the justice system that It will do right by you. And had no idea what the kick in the teeth was going to happen.
1: And even more concerning, the state was scheduling the trial to start right after the most notorious case in central Florida history, the Casey Anthony case. And it would take place in the exact same courtroom. next time on Unraveled, Mystery at the Mansion.
5: There was kind of a bad taste in the public's mouth after Casey Anthony was acquitted. And especially when it came time for Bob Ward's first trial, I think there was a little bit of a feeling like, we can't let this happen again.
10: It just became sensational because of Isleworth millionaire Bob Ward. You know, this guy's rich, we want to get him. Nobody was talking about his wife. Nobody. And she was dead. And there was no doubt in my mind
4: that he did it.
1: So you think there's not any chance at all that this was an accident? Absolutely not. Unraveled is produced by Joke Productions for ID. The executive producers of this podcast are Joke Finciun, Biagio Messina, and Jeff Koontz along with myself, Billy Jensen, and Alexis Linkletter. Executive producer for ID is Tim Bainey. Additional producing and writing by Margaret Aronson and Mike Gattinella. Our editors are Aaron Frischia and Corey Nye. The music and score that you have heard in this podcast is by Biagio Messina, Dave Pellman, and the Alibi and Nimble Libraries. Make sure to check for episode three next week on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And you know, it helps a lot when you subscribe, rate, and review the podcast that you enjoy listening to. Thank you for listening for
9: your support.
0: A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend.